We're all on a journey to reach our full potential and purpose. And no matter where you are on your path, know that we walk together and not alone. At the Mission Leadership Institute, we believe the path to leadership is self-discovery. To support you, we're bringing the most advanced thinkers in the country to help unpack all that we carry with us on this journey in leadership. Before we start, we want our listeners to know that the information provided during this podcast is for educational purposes only. You should always consult your healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Providence Walk With Me podcast. I'm your host, Martin Schreiber, with the Providence Mission Leadership Institute. Today, I am joined by an incredibly special guest, Nipun Metu. Nipun practices small acts of kindness and builds technology that amplifies patterns of positive deviance. He has a degree in computer science from UC Berkeley. Today, we're talking about gratitude and empathy. Okay, let's get started by welcoming Nipun. You know, Nipun, we were able to spend time together in uh, Boulder and with our great friends, the Kaisers, and recognizing that uh, passionate stories come out when you are with someone who resonates and you are that person. And I think that our viewers they'll uh, and listeners will have time to learn about you, but I wanted to start there in the question of, could you tell us about yourself and what you are passionate about, Nipun? Well, uh, it's I'm probably passionate about a lot of things. I think I'm just passionate about life. Uh, but if I had to break it down into one, I would say I'm passionate about giving. Um, and what I noticed is that when you give, you feel like giving more. You know, it's very regenerative. And so I think it's that's just been my experience. I, I remember I was at a call at a school one time and they gave me a bunch of bouquets at the end. Um, and I was like, wow, what am I going to do with all these flowers? And so what I said was, uh, okay, everybody, there was a whole bunch of kids. I said, I'm going to do all flower, um, and you have to go and pay that forward and appreciate somebody in the school. Uh, it could be a janitor, could be a cook, could be your teacher, could be a classmate. And so all these kids lined up, I'm, I'm giving them flowers and, and, uh, they're all excited. They go and do it. And by the time I get to the end of the line, they actually had to bring more flowers. There were a lot of kids. By the time I get to the end of the line, this one young girl comes back and she's like, that was amazing. Can I have another flower? I already gave mine away. Um, and I think I'm, I'm like that little girl, you know, that, that says, wow, like I tried this thing, um, through whatever serendipity, you know, generosity and service came into my life. I tried it and I'm like, wow, I got to do it again. And I've just never stopped. You know, it's, it's been powerful. You're such a person who relates to the present moment. And that story is a great example of it. This notion that we don't want to miss generosity that's happening or giving that's happening all around us. And you really have developed even that out of a sense of a gratitude challenge. And I know throughout the world and your practices, this 21 day gratitude challenge is something that I think is critical to developing culture and was hoping you would talk a little bit about just your process of, of how does one come into the, the gratitude challenge as well as to the organization that you've built. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I I think gratitude is is so key as a value, and I think we all have these values where you know instead of uh, counting all the problems in the world, can we count our blessings? And as we do that, that actually changes the way in which we interact with the challenges we have in our life. You know, so I think there, there's just a ton of research on how gratitude is great, but it's also like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the more you have. Um, but the thing about this 21 day challenge or any, any, any cultivation of, of these virtues is that, can we do it in community? So it's one thing if I'm doing it on my own, another thing, if I'm on my own for 21 days or 365 days, but what happens when we do it in community? And it turns out that we can we actually rub off on each other in remarkable ways. So uh, I, you know, I'm a big fan of doing things uh, together with each other because you know everyone's not going to have a bad Monday together. Like you may have a bad Monday, I'm going to have a bad Tuesday, but you know, and somebody else is going to have a bad Wednesday. But when we have those bad days, we have each other's strengths, you know, versus you just being yourself. You're not as resilient. Um, so to me. Uh, you know, and applying, you know, in a way, service space is this organization we started uh, 23 years ago, uh, which is rooted in, in this notion that let's build virtue, let's build these values um, and and let's do it together. Uh, and as we do, uh, you know, all kinds of magic starts to unfold. And so for us, it's it, it manifests uh, particularly through acts of service, uh, but really it could be applied to anything. This notion of service is heavy in our world coming out of the pandemic. And also those who in healthcare, which is specifically whom we serve in uh, our ministry here, are dealing with this sense of how can I move in sympathy, move in compassion, and move in empathy. And the service can call us to some ways that we almost lose ourselves. And you have talked, I think, very intentionally about looking at this aspect. We hear about compassion fatigue, but you're asking people in service to think of empathy fatigue. And can you explain a little bit about that? There's tremendous insight here in Nippon. Yeah, there's a, you know, I I think there's this very uh, big distinction between sympathy, empathy, and compassion. And neuroscience tells us that these are three different kinds of circuits that arise in us. So they can tell you very exhaustively that, oh, you're in a state of sympathy, you're in a state of empathy, and you're in a, versus if you're in a state of compassion. Now, sympathy is sort of like a bandwidth giving. You know, I have, you don't have, let me give to you. Um, empathy is a much higher bandwidth giving. But the challenge with empathy is that you, you don't really you can't distinguish between your pain and the other person's pain. So you start to absorb, you start to experience other people's pain as your pain, literally as an imprint on your brain. That ends up being exhausting. There's so much pain in the world, you won't be able to serve other people. Uh, But compassion is where you're really able to tap into a regenerative, um, regenerative pattern inside you, where you see the suffering of others, but you also recognize the right kind of boundaries and that helps you uh, to, you know, boundaries is not so you can be disconnected from it. It actually is so you can see clearly, you can see their situation as it is and be in service. And nature supports us in regenerating, regenerating that compassion. Um, so I, I think it's a, you know, there's a beautiful uh, quote by Rachel Naomi Remen. She says, she says, when you help, you see life as weak. 
when you fix, you see life as broken. And when you, but when you serve, you see life as a co-creative whole. And so I think all too often we go into a situation and if you say, I want to help, you're really creating this top-down hierarchy. It doesn't, it doesn't feel great on your own internal body. It doesn't feel great on the receiver end. Uh, it has some value, but we can do better. And then when we go to a little, little bit farther, uh, you know, we start to look at things and say, well, let me try to fix it. Uh, even that is not quite as deep. But then ultimately, if you say, well, we can all come together and co-create this. I think that's the awakening of compassion. This is wonderful, Nipun, because there are so many of us in healthcare who is muscle only fixes. And, and you're asking, I believe, us to move beyond that fixation of that muscle to maybe do we span out a little or be a little more mindful of a, a long view in terms of our our, our real impetus for service and how, how do that, that seems to me that you're really helping us to say, we don't want to drain the uh, tank here in terms of how we're to serve. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to take first, you got to take care of yourself so that you can, you are able to be present for other people. Um, and so what does it mean to actually honor that inside? And, and there is a happy spot in between where you're able to be in equilibrium where you are feeling connected and you are actually helping the other person as they want to be helped, not what you are projecting onto them. I mean, in healthcare, it's a, it's a particular scenario, but you can even think of, you know, your loved ones and you say, well, you need to be helped in this way because I want you to do this. And that doesn't feel like help, you know? Um, so I, I think it's, it's, it's a, and the best part of this, I would say it's regenerative, uh, is that when you hit that sweet spot where you're able to see clearly, you're able to help and you're able to see that it's not this gap between the healer and the healed between the knower and the ignorant, right? It's, it's that, oh, I'm also receiving from this. I mean, I remember giving out, you know, uh, sandwiches when I was younger on the streets to people who are homeless. And initially we would do these drives and we call them help the homeless. You know, we'd come out and get together, make these, you know, sandwiches and put them in brown bags and go. And then after a while we realized, well, it's got to be more here, the homeless. So it's more about, hey, I'm, we, share, we would share a meal together with the homeless. And that was such a deeper experience that, yeah, I have some apples to give you, but you also have something to give me. And if we start to look at both in that way, then it's a very different scenario. So it's not just a doctor and a patient. It's that the doctor and the patient are coming together to co-create something in that moment, which great than the sum of their parts, which is greater than both of them. And if we if we all walk in to a relationship in that way, I think just a lot more is possible. And it regenerates us, right? It nourishes us. It doesn't deplete us. It doesn't leave us feeling burnt out. It feels us wanting more. Your regeneration, too, is a symbol of your life in terms of inviting people to meals. And this kind of bridging right uh of of all faiths 
in terms of that type of service. And I know your, uh, your mom and dad are somewhat of the impetus for your own uh, service and this interfaith kind of gathering at the table. And I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about that, how that started. Uh, it's just extraordinary, Nipun. Oh, it's it's a, it's a great story, Martin. Thanks for asking because I, I I love it because it embodies so many of the principles. So this is like I don't know, late nineties. Uh, I wanted to meditate, and I was like, I've heard of this meditation thing. It feels good, but you have things to do, enough time. So you're we like, okay, let's all get together and force each other to do it. You know, so sort of like this community thing I was talking about earlier. And and so we said, three of us, my mom, myself and another friend, we said, OK, let's get together on a Wednesday, boring day of the week and sit in silence for an hour. And in the after that silence hour, we will share, um, you know, aha moments from the week. And then my mom was like, well, Nipun, I have to feed you anyways, so I'll feed whoever else comes. And and literally we left the door open. Um, so anybody who wanted to come friends, I mean, people would RSVP online, but just for a head count, but, um, you know, it was, it was literally open and over the years, you won't believe it. Um, but tens of thousands of people have walked into that home and my parents up until the pandemic, um, you know, for 23 straight years, every single Wednesday, um, you know, 50, 60 people would come together. They sit in silence. Um, and they, we do a circle of sharing and then there's this meal, but what was remarkable about it is what happens because it flips the dominant paradigm. Usually in our paradigm, we put a premium on speakers. Uh, we put a, first we put a premium on just activity, 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 right? And so in the first hour, you're actually putting a premium, not on the notes, but the silence in between the notes. Um, and so you realize that to create music, you need both. In the second hour, you're putting a premium not just on the speakers, but on the listeners. When you're in a circle of sharing, initially you're thinking, what am I going to say? How do I look cool? You know, <laughs> and, but uh, after a while, you're like, man, 99% of the time you were listening, but you made it about speaking. You made it about, you know, you made it about trying to be great and trying to, you know, dominate the circle when really all you had to do was just give your presence. And in the third hour where the host is giving you a meal and there's no charge, there's no donation box, nothing. It's just the expression of love, home cooked meal. Uh, my parents and I would uh, spend all our days just, you know, making these uh, meals for all the people that would come. And when you're offered in that labor of love way, you're, you know, you start to realize that, yes, there is giving, but there's also receiving. That the premium is always on the giving because I have first you accumulate and then from that accumulation you give. But here you're invited, you walk into this home and and you're just receiving and you're like, who do I have to be? To recognize that along with the notes, there's silence Along with the speakers, there's listeners. Along with the giving, there's receiving. And so what seems like a simple evening together ends up being so nourishing uh, because it brings together all these remarkable elements. And, and when people come together in this way, I mean, it's just magic. It's magic. 
Nipun, you have created magic and community and you've done it in this simple method. And I can't wait for people to go on a, a service space. I can't wait for people to knock on your parents' door on Wednesday uh, because, you know, who knows? You might even get a couple Schreiber kids uh, coming to look for a, a meal or something, Nipun. So I hope that, it, you know, this friendship that you and I have started will continue and grow. And I just so much want to thank you for taking the time with us today to share a little of your own methods of how we build a generosity and build compassion in our world. Oh, thank, thank you, Martin. It's, it's such a joy uh, to be a small part of uh, what you do um, and who you are. So thank you. I'm delighted to be here. I want to thank Nipun for joining us and to everyone for listening. Watch for part two of our conversation in a future episode. To learn more about Nipun, visit nipun.servicespace.com. Org. You can find the Providence Mission Leadership Institute on LinkedIn.